It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 170, and we are recording on February 2nd. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with guest Erica Azafetti, and today we are talking favorite science fiction and fantasy pairings of all kinds, romantic and otherwise. Because, you know, Valentine's and Galentine's are coming up, but there's more kinds of love than just romantic. So, welcome, Erica. Thanks, friends. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good. Glad to have you back. It's been yes. a minute. It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. This was, I think, one of the first podcasts on Book Ride I guest guest hosted oh. on. We had a good old we had a good old time. We sure did. We had a good we old sure kiki, did. you know? Yeah. One hundred percent. It was cute. <laughs> it's yeah. always cute with you. It's always cute with you too. Oh my gosh. All right, all right. Enough mutual admiration society. <laughs> Let's get into this business here. Um, okay. Yes. So before we get into our news, I want to remind y'all that we're now officially, how did that happen? In the second month of Read Harder for uh the 10th year of the Read Harder mm. Challenge. Bananas. Mm. So it's 24 tasks meant to expand your reading horizons, diversify your TBR. If you somehow have not done this before, like welcome. Um, and if you want to get recommendations for every task, you can sign up for the Read Harder newsletter. And then if you want to get even more than that, if you become a paid subscriber, you get extra recommendations, community features. It's a nice little corner of the internet. Um, so all of the details for that are at bookriot.com slash read harder. That's bookriot.com slash read harder. All right. Let's do our sponsor break and then we will talk about some news. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> All right, Erica, what news story do you want to start with? Okay, so there's going to be a revamp of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> courtesy yeah. of courtesy of like the least the the least likely per the person I would least <laughs> expect. How do I word this? Um Dolly Parton, Miss Dolly, Miss Parton is um 
going to be helping the show the reboot come to life apparently she was the original one of the original series producers what yeah (laughs) what okay like okay did you (laughs) all right this was new Um, information for me too i did not know that i had to go look it up i was like wait and it said on imdb actually that she was uncredited in the original series so tomato tomato why would you not ever why would you not credit dolly parton like what is is your life like what so did you ever used to watch did you used to watch Buffy I was a Buffy fan yeah and I also watched most if not all of Angel actually we so before we even got started I was I somehow got into telling Erica about the DVDs I still own I also own (laughs) Buffy DVDs I do I own Buffy DVDs how I think I have three or four of my favorite seasons I don't have all of it but I have like like I've season three for sure because that's an amazing season I think I have seasons five and seven what was the season where she and so I didn't really get into (laughs) Buffy until a little later like I got into her into her into the show when Mm. she was with Spike which was kind of a lot because I was like 12 and it kind of felt like I shouldn't have been watching it but I word (laughs) that relationship is our forever problematic I was watching that and that was probably bad for my little my Mm. little brain my little brain noodles my Mm -hmm. little brain wrinkles Mm -hmm. um what season was that? That's when I you got You know, into it, I remember. cannot tell you. They all blend That's together fair. in my head. So that is I, fair. It's, yeah. I do not know. But I will tell you, I mean, multiple seasons. There was like an on-again, off-again situation there right. too. Um, like you do. But anyway, right. okay. So to rewind, the point is, so Popverse, <laughs> Popverse uh, and Fran Ruiz covered this. Is That's what we're linking to in the show notes. But so they've been trying to remake Buffy for a while though, right? Mm. Like they, it's been like on and off. We're getting these, you know, um updates about it and then nothing happens and also in the meantime like we discovered some things about Joss Whedon that were like less than exciting right like so there was that and then it's you know there was the pandemic COVID you know lockdown and then everything strike yeah exactly strike so there's been a lot of not happening with Buffy um except for there have been like comics there's an audible series there's all there's books right there's Buffy the Vampire Slayer verse books that I've read that have been really fun um but uh Parton has said like we're still working on it like it's not dead yet we're still we're still going and now that I know that Dolly Parton is involved I feel like a little bit more interested yeah even though she always was involved apparently what do you think of like what do you think right what do you think of like reboots as opposed to like new stories yeah i mean i'm always torn because it is possible to do a really great reboot right like it's actually possible to do that but so many i'm just like well i didn't need that personally so the way you said it's actually possible kind of tells me (laughs) (laughs) kind of tells you like how they usually turn out and it's like you have this great premise and it did well before but i think people also they think that the new success will ride on the old success. Right. And it's like, you still have right. to have good, right. Good. Writing well, yeah. And, like and you know, there's a lot of things that like, if I had my druthers, I would go yeah. back and fix in the original Buffy. Yeah. But then yeah. I'm like, well, why don't you just do a, like you're saying, like a sequel, like continuation of the story. Like what happens after, you know, the finale, like let's, cause that's already been, there's lots of different stuff explored there in the comics that hasn't made its way to like the general right. public. So yeah. that, I think that would be really fun and interesting. 
interesting if they do it on that angle. And they don't know yet. They don't know if it's like a, you know, a remake or if it's a follow on or like they really don't. They really yeah. don't have a, anything specific. So I guess we'll see. But, you know, yeah. I'm I'm going to keep paying attention because why not? <laughs> yeah. And I am also more intrigued because now I know Dolly. Parton right. Dolly. Who knew? <laughs> like, who knew that? Oh, Yes. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting one. Uh, speaking of things that are interesting, um, do you, can I tell you about the Hugos for a second? Please do. Please. <laughs> all right. So if you are at all in, involved in the SFF news uh, area, you have heard about the shenanigans going on with the 2023 awards. Um, I did a big recap uh, for Book Riot on this because it is it is messy. Um, and it is complicated. So and we're not going to get too deep into it right now. I'm just going to sum up. But basically, what happened was hmm. the awards were mismanaged in a variety of ways. It seems pretty clear at this point. The numbers for like actual voting counts after those were released, people noticed discrepancies. A bunch of works that we were surprised weren't on there, like Babel, uh, were rendered ineligible for reasons that nobody actually can explain um and china was already an unpopular choice to host um you know chengdu in china was an unpopular choice to host because of the chinese government's treatment of the uyghurs uh which is a muslim population and like you know lots of people withdrew it was all very complicated um but it got even more complicated and instead of like handling it like professionals mm. some of the people involved got very Spicy. Mm, spicy. Thank you. Mm. They got very spicy on the internets about it. Um, and like Neil Gaiman was in, you know, this one guy's comments on Facebook being like, can I get an explanation? Like yeah. you, when Neil Gaiman is coming into your Facebook comments, like, you know, things have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it's just a real it's a real mess. Um but, but I will say he seemed a little less spicy with Mr. Gaiman. Mm. Oh, Lock he it. was. That's Lock right. It. Dave McCarty yeah. was very respectful to Gaiman, yeah. not so respectful to some other to folks. other people. Yeah. Uh, and so, he, so the developments have been that first he finally issued an apology, mm, um, mm -mm. but didn't give any more explanations about anything. Uh, and then most recently, what happened is that um, the uh, WorldCon corporation which you know helps administer the hugo award um issued a press release that were like yes so we know this was bad and we have seen the complaints and uh they have you know they've censured people dave mccarty has resigned uh which is all to the good as far as i'm concerned kevin stanley has also resigned um and there were official censures for some of the folks who presided over the administration committee of the hugos in chengdu um which a lot of folks were waiting for so they've like replaced some higher ups and uh they're trying to assure everyone that this was just this one committee like mm. it's it's a different committee every year because 
it's the Worldcon committee, you know, the Hugo Awards get passed around. So this right. year's are in Glasgow in Scotland. Um, and they have already made several statements to the effect of like, we swear we will not do this. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, um, that's like the highlights. There's, I'm leaving link in the show notes for, oh for all of this, but it was a real, it was a bad week on the internet for the Hugos uh, last week. Let me just say like, I, and it was very disappointing because I'm always trying to encourage people people to vote. You know, I've been on yeah. this show talking about how important voting is because anybody can vote in the Hugos, actually. Yeah. You just need to buy a membership, which is like 50 bucks and you get you get free books. So, you know, it's it's worth it for more than just the voting rights. But but then this kind of stuff happens and people, you know, it, it was a really frustrating voting process. I had trouble with my ballot and like I'm pretty mm. Internet savvy and I just it was very hard to navigate that website and that process. Really? Oh, yeah. It was it was not well put together on multiple levels. Um, so does the voting change each year then? The voting well, so the process? way that the voting the voting process is always the same and is mm. like enshrined in rules, but who runs it and like is in charge of those spreadsheets and tabulating and like putting the website together gotcha. that changes every year. So like theoretically, they're all supposed to follow the same rules and the same voting structure and how votes are counted and all of that stuff. But it's different people, so like they don't they've never done it before. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's yeah. not necessarily true. Some of the same people help administer every year. Like McCarty was the director and had been on several Hugo committees, but like still it's, it's new folks in a lot of sense and it's an entirely volunteer board. So you can see gotcha. how mistakes would happen, but this was like next level. Hot mess. Um, and I just, I guess the thing I want to say about this is like, I really hope people don't, uh, totally peace out of voting in the Hugos because of this. Like they may be broken, but it's still an award that can make a person's career. And just mm -hmm. getting on the short list for a Hugo is a huge deal for a lot of up and coming writers. So it's still important. And, you know, it's uh, it's something that we can all be involved in and try to make better. So I guess I'm just sitting here being like, don't abandon it. I <laughs> like I know it sucks. It sucks and it's broken. Um, and I can if, for those who are like you know what let's boycott it until it's fixed like I respect that too like I do I totally respect that perspective um what I don't want is for people to just decide to like walk away and not do anything one way or the other so if you care about SFF you know that's that's my story yeah I feel like the way that people applied that pressure mm -hmm. the fact that the Glasgow committee is already like we're not going to yeah hopefully that is enough to because they got shook what you call resign the other mm -hmm. one resigned Mm -hmm. um they got called out cursed out you know called everything <laughs> yeah. but a child of god so <laughs> i feel like they got the hint yeah yeah i think if something like this were to happen again it'd be a wrap but it seems mm. like um it seems like they got some they they got they, they took some notes yeah um yeah. also rf quang did a yeah. a mic drop of a statement yeah. on it <laughs> yes <laughs> She let she ate and left no crumbs. That's right. She feasted. <laughs> um, and she was at the end, she was like, All right, bye for now. I gotta write books. I was like, okay. right. That was amazing. Okay. Like, yeah, I'll please. link to that. Yes, please. It was, that was real wild. Good. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully it sounds like they got the message, and hopefully, um, because like you said, this can make or break someone. Yeah. Well, not uh, break necessarily, but it can make them. Yeah, so it can make hopefully them. Hopefully, yeah. it's it seems salvageable. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed, Macwood. Yeah. So you know, we'll see. Yes, we shall see. 
There were also, in other award news, mm. the Audi finalists, the Audi Awards for audiobook lovers. Um, there is a Book Riot little roundup we can link in the show notes. So um, do, you, do you listen to audiobooks a lot? So I can't process audio-only information very well. Like, okay. I don't know what to do with my eyes. Like, when you, what do you do with your face when you... And I know some people listen to audiobooks when they're, like, washing dishes or, like, commuting. But, like, I don't have a commute and washing dishes takes 10 minutes. So, like, I don't yeah. understand how to do it. I think they're probably good for ADHD people mm. like myself because mm. we like to be – we like to have different things going on at once. And mm. it kind of, like – when you have an audio thing going on, like, say, whether it's music or an audio book, um, while you're washing dishes or taking a walk or doing chores or whatever, it kind of, like – it like kind of how would I describe it? It kind of like focuses focuses oh, you in a yeah. way. So I feel like it's very good for it's very good for people with ADHD. That's what I think. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I know tons of people who love it, and I yeah. like. I'm not knocking it. It's just I just my yeah. brain can't do it. So we all got but, different brains. <laughs> truly, and, you know. But yeah, there's. I didn't realize there was a fantasy and a science fiction section in the uh, audio awards. I didn't either. That's dope. But there are. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, did you, have you listened to any of these that one? I have not. <laughs> I've, I've, actually, I have. I have. I'm like, I've listened to a few of them. I have not finished them is what I meant to oh, say. Okay. Like right. I listened to Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers mm. by Jesse Q. Sutanto, which was pretty good. Narrated by Eunice Wong. Um, do, 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 do. I'm looking through the list again just to see if I missed any. I have not listened to I I've been meaning to listen to The Woman in Me by Britney Spears which is narrated mm. by Michelle Williams because Michelle needs to win an Audi, <laughs> a Grammy, an Oscar for her for her portrayal of a one Justin Timberlake. <laughs> When she was like, oh, she is, oh, she is. Oh, she is, oh, she is. I'm just like, oh, my. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? <laughs> I have. I have. Okay. I was going to say that just felt like it should be in Bob's Burgers. There's a particular mm -hmm. character I'm thinking of. But if you're not like super familiar with Bob's Burgers, it might not. The reference might not like super stick. But Michelle Williams, Chef's Kiss. That was <laughs> that was a performance. Uh, mm. One of my favorite um audiobook performers narrators is kevin r free and he narrates the murder bot series oh, which i'm going to talk about oh, later yes um i love his narration but i haven't listened to a lot of these but i want to listen to i need to listen to some more of these because they sound really good yeah i was looking at the winners um in uh fantasy and sci-fi and I, it was funny to me the dragon reborn by robert jordan which book is like 20 something years old like it's an, yeah. that's an old book yeah. um but the reason it's on here is because rosamund pike who plays uh character moiraine and the show has been redoing the audiobooks um oh, that's cute. and um, everyone is obsessed because nice. she's you know it's rosamund pike like yeah. obviously right um but i was also excited to see tread of angels on here uh, yes. which is by rebecca roanhorse and narrated by dion graham um that's one that i've had on my list for forever and um this is a good reminder for me to bump it up and then in science fiction i was so delighted because i will not shut up about the deep sky by yume katasi uh, narrated mm. by sarah scare 
Sharif and I both love that one. And it's really nice to hear that that's an audiobook too, because I know that that's how a lot of folks access books. And I just mm-hmm. am so obsessed with it. So I'm so glad to hear that the audiobook is good. That just made me so happy. Yes, that is another one that's on my list. And I think Tread of Angels is also on my list. Yeah. Um, it is, I think that's a novella. Tread of I Angels to, is a novella, yeah, it's short. I, uh, I need to go ahead and listen to that. There was another really <laughs> good, because <laughs> that's another thing too, like for like, if you struggle with uh, ADHD or like a focus, sometimes audiobooks are really good for getting you started. That's what mm. I found. Um. And then, you know, if you want to continue with them, that's fine. Or if you want to read an imprint, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, these sound really good. So I have a lot of things. This is reminding me to read some things. <laughs> reminding, reminding me to finish some things. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you need some good new audiobooks, especially mm-hmm. SFF, but really any genre, there's quite a few nominations uh, or categories rather. Um, click through that post and, and get yourself some good earworms. Yes. All right, taking another sponsor break, and then we will get into our favorite pairings. All right, Erica, this was so much fun. Can it I was just say? fun. <laughs> it was such a good idea. I love that you thought of it. Yeah, I was so thinking, cute. I was like, I guess we could do something for Valentine's yeah. Day. Like, I don't like <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's not my, I used to have a horror movie night on Valentine's Day every year. Ooh, um, just, yeah, just to like, you know, cement my objections to yeah. the situation. Yes. Um, but I was like, oh, pairings, but could be anything, right? Like, it could be yeah. any, any kind of pairings. Um, so what was hard for me was narrowing down, like, which ones I was going to talk about because Mm -hmm. I have so many favorites Um, and then like finding different kinds of pairings right like I made little categories for that yes I I do appreciate the categories yeah do you do you want to go first yes my first category is pining sapphics (laughs) so good I know, right? I was like, oh, this, this is good. <laughs> um, that is from, well, the, the pining sapphics in particular are red and blue from This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Matar and Max Gladstone. I feel like, side note, I feel like maybe my choices are from like very popular books I'm realizing when I no, look at I don't think that's true. No. Well, okay. I mean. Who Maybe cares? Not. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> let me let me let me be great. All right. <laughs> Live your life, Erica. <laughs> Thank you. Let me let me enjoy my pining sapphics. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh my God. Like this. Um, uh, okay. So if you're not familiar, I don't know how you're not. If you're on the internet, you have to be familiar because of Bigalus Dickalus, mm-hmm. who last year <laughs> shouted out from the rooftops that everyone needs to get this. If I remember, <laughs> it was like, stop what you're doing. Get this book. Do this for me. And I'm like, yes. Okay. Like, <laughs> you will right. do this for me. You will do. Okay. Thank you for correcting. <laughs> <laughs> that was my remember? favorite part, though. Yes. It's like, it's not a request. It's a command. You will do this for I'm like, Okay. <laughs> And I did. I had already read the book. Uh, I listened. Actually, I think I listened to this on audio book mm. originally. And, but I wanted to read it again because it's so poetic. Yeah. It's an epistolary. I always feel like I don't say that word right. No, an epistolary. Right. Thank you. 
I'm trying. Uh, oh, this. So it's award nominated. It's uh, an epistolary story of these two agents that are fighting a time war on opposite sides. Um, and so they're so they're both so good at their jobs that they start seeing little patterns and stuff in um in the locations that they travel to and they realize that it's like a rival soldier rival agent and they slowly start to like they're like well it's kind of like a rap battle <laughs> it's kind of like a rap beef I, yeah. I say that because of what else is going on but it's like a, a rap beef it's like a rap beef rival turned lovers that's a new yes. category for romance <laughs> i just invented it you're welcome I love it. like i know someone's gonna write like a fan fiction of like Nicki minaj yeah. <laughs> like, oh my yeah. God. wouldn't that be amazing would read wouldn't that be you know what let me make a note somewhere because yes. y'all not ready make it happen y'all not ready <laughs> Okay, so yeah, they're like rap beefing slash war rival beefing, and they're like, okay, well, I'm the biggest and the baddest, and you can't top this. Ah, ah, ah. And so they're traveling to these different locations in time, and the setting is is amazing because it's like, it's it's like different points in time, and it's mm. like alternate history in a way, and they go mm -hmm. back to, if I remember correctly, like way, way back in time to what, like medieval ages, and they go way in the future, and they go in between, and they go to tea houses and like futuristic places and just all these different things. And so um, they have different, um, they, they kind of belong to like very different factions. Like one is more biology based and like hive mind i believe and then the other is more like science like like stereotypical sci-fi like i think mm -hmm. she has body modifications and all these things so anyway they start to interact with each other through like certain notes and stuff because they know the other one is so clever that they're going to see this little note a little detail in this particular location and they're going to see their work and so over time they start to fall in love with each other and let me just say this book has raised the bar I think I'm single because of it because if I if it's not if it's not a love note in a um war-torn timeline if it's not that level of romance I don't want it yeah I don't want it you could keep it like send send back to, back to return to sender i don't want it is that is that too much to ask for I, I, can i listen. have real love can i have that can Seems i be happy? reasonable to me okay thank you like what like what are these people not getting <laughs> can i have that please I want that for you. I really want Thank that you, for friends. you. Y'all light a candle, you know, during a full moon for me so I can get this. Do the, You will do this for me. I will do that for you. I will do that for you. You will do this for me. I love it. But yes, yeah. those are my... <laughs> I just saw in the notes you wrote, beefing rappers turn lovers. That's a great... Why hasn't that happened? I don't know. Wait for, wait for my book deal. That's right. You heard it here first. Like, jeez. <laughs> while i'm over here alone because like this book has ruined uh romance for me because no one okay all right so those are that's my first those are my that's my first um yeah. i feel like we could just stop recording right now but we we'll could like <laughs> what else do you need what else do you need yes uh so okay so i was going through my picks and i just want a side note here i don't know i was thinking about like why are all my picks so dark like i wasn't trying to do mm. this but all mm. of the books that i uh pulled from um, ended up being like 
sort of like real dark, uh, like sort of horror influenced SFF. And I was like, what is happening here? Um, and then Maybe I realized like the contrast of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, you yes. know, I do love a cinnamon roll and I love that's nothing that. more than cinnamon rolls, like collectively being cinnamon rolls together. Like that yeah. makes me so happy. But if you're going to stand out in my head, it's probably going to be more about the contrast, right? Between what is going on around you and then how your relationship helps you deal with that. Yes. It's like when people eat cinnamon rolls with chili. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You need the right. spice yeah. to have to like appreciate Bring out the, the sweet. sweet. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm, poetry. So, mm. <laughs> That's poetic. So my first pairing are my platonic soulmate, love them forever, Camilla Hecht and Palamedes from The Locked Tomb by Tamsin Muir, um, which like also is extremely popular. Like if you somehow have not heard about, you know, Gideon the Ninth, et cetera. I, I don't know what to say to you. Um, I haven't read it yet. I keep meaning to read it. I haven't read it yet. I think you will really like it. I think it. I will really like I it. I think yeah. you will really enjoy it. I bet the audiobooks are fun too. They because there's a yeah. lot of like little pop culture Easter eggs in there. Yes. Um, and so I think you will really enjoy that experience. So it sounds perfect. Yeah, it's real good. We're, like we're all just waiting for Electo the Ninth to come out so we can have book four. Like there's, you know, oh, it's just so anyway, but Camilla and Palamedes like are <sighs> okay. So if you somehow don't know about this world, it is a world in which necromancy is like the main power. There's also technology and like spaceships and multiple worlds and all of this jazz, but uh necromancy is like the the thing and so um there are all of these necromancers and their uh sort of you know guardians as it were um who do the sword stuff while the necromancers do the um you know necromancy stuff how many times can i say that word like a necromancy lot. a lot necromancy <laughs> um and so yes so they all are and a bunch of them are uh you know collected in this haunted house in the first book it's functionally a haunted house mm. locked room like murder mystery situation oh my god everybody starts dying like what is going on and camilla and palamedes are not the main characters but in my heart they are just the perfect pair because you know that like they are so exasperated with each other mm -hmm. and would do absolutely anything for each other. They don't even really need words to communicate. Like it's that level of like, I know you, you know me. Um, and it leads to some real like next level platonic soulmate stuff that I will not spoil by naming it, but like their, their story only gets better quite frankly mm. as the story goes on. And they're so key to everything that happens throughout the books. Like they are like one of the main supporting character pairs to Gideon and Harrow who I, you know, also love, but like if I'm thinking about, you know, platonic soulmates who are my favorite forever, it's Cam and Palamedes. Like, that's who it is. So if you enjoy, like, a whole cast that you can get obsessed with, you know, not just the main characters, but you want, like, multiple levels of obsession with characters, The Lock Tomb will absolutely do that for you. And all of the relationships are real hashtag complicated, like, truly. Mm. Mm. But there's something so pure about Camilla and Palamedes, and it's like a, a breath of fresh air in amongst all of the complicated shenanigans going on around them. So, yeah, that's my pitch for uh, for those two from The Lock Tomb by Tanzanir. They're so good. 
I need to read that. I, I don't do. know why I you keep. Do. I it's because I'm easily distractible. You will do this for me. I will. I will do this for you. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that sounds I and I like I love how platonic soulmates sounds. Like I love yeah. that. And I like how I think maybe I'm just well no, I think it is a thing. I think um currently with our generation like Gen Z, I feel like we are putting more value and more emphasis on platonic relationships yes. because yes. they're very important. Um, so important. Listen with the divorce rate, honey. Mm, mm. Like, you know, it's important if you're in if you're in romantic relationships, obviously those are important to foster and develop, but also like it's important to have relationships with people outside of that and mm-hmm. people who are not your family. Just all of them are important. We're not islands. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So um, the pining sapphics slash beefing rappers turned lovers. <laughs> I think those are like the only romantic, yeah, pretty much ones on my list. The next one I have, the next ones I have, sorry, are friends on a quest, basically, and it's Muko and the magpie spirit named Geiki in A Thousand Steps Into Night by Tracy Chi. Like, okay, so. Um, this book is about, it's kind of like a Japanese influenced, inspired land. It's called Awera. There are gods and monsters and humans that exist side by side. And like, so like the monsters and gods and stuff, they're kind of like, they kind of like stay in the forest basically. Um, and like come out at night, the freaks come out at night, (laughs) you know, as they do. But, um, so Miyuko lives with her dad in this kind of like slow rundown town and she doesn't really fit into what people think of when they think of young girls um also this is YA so Mm. she is about you know in her teens um and she loses her dad in like this tea shop and she's like clumsy and all these things so she doesn't like fit the the image of what a respectable young lady should be so one night she has this run-in with this like beautifully blue I don't know. That's just like a thing. Mm. She's blue. The, the, the blueness is important. Like picture Mystique from X-Men. Okay. Like, right. This is blue. So she gets like kissed by this demon and that makes her slowly turn into a demon. And I say the blue is important because it starts to take over her body. Like she gets like a little blue patch on her foot or whatever. And the more it, um, the more her skin becomes blue, like demon blue, the more demon urges like take over her so she goes on a quest to figure out how to stop herself from becoming a full demon um Mm. before that she gets kicked out of the house by her dad so that's real traumatic and sad um she meets this thieving magpie spirit (laughs) named geiki who was just a little hot mess every time you see him he into some trouble he's very funny and I like their little relationship. They like they help each other. He's kind of like comic relief. He's on there for, you know, he has his own reasons for going on the quest too. And so it's just a good fun time. What's interesting is on the journey, um, Miyuko starts to see how women and like femme 
beings are treated in the spirit world when i say spirit world i mean the world of of monsters and gods mm. and stuff like that they're treated better they're like put on equal footing and she's like okay so why don't humans have this mm. and the more she turns into a demon the freer she feels so she so by the end of the book or like when it's time for her to decide what she really wants she sees how um humans are you know treat each other so badly especially the most vulnerable amongst them, which are usually women. Um, and she's like, do I want to give up this freedom of being a demon? Or like, do I want to go back to being like, you know, not blue? Hmm. So that's an interesting uh, perspective and an interesting plot point. Um, but it's very, the whole story is very much giving like Studio Ghibli, hmm. but like darker Depending on which studio, some some studio Ghibli does yeah, get dark. It, it does, does get a little, does look at spike, a little spicy, <laughs> um, a little seasoned. <laughs> um, but there are, you know, different. It looks at gender in different ways. There's um, this idea of like a non-binary gender designation um, that I believe is historically uh, relevant to I think China and Japan, but I might be mistaken on that on the origin of it. But yeah, it's really it's an interesting look on uh, on gender and stuff um, that I think is still relevant. Um, and Geki is fun. Like mm. he's fun. He's a little magpie spirit. He changes from a magpie into like a human form, and he just messes things up. He's he's <laughs> like a little rascal. You know what I mean? It's that fun. sounds awesome. Yeah, it's cute. So yeah. <laughs> I have to put that on my list. I love yes. Friends on a Quest. That's a great yes, category. Friends on a Quest. Yeah, that's what yeah. I love. It's always great. It's really good. Uh, all right. I also love complicated besties because, you mm. know, who amongst us whomst, has whomst. not had, had that situation yeah. where you're like, I love you, but also what if I murder you? Like, what I know if? the worst. I know the worst parts of you and you know the worst parts of me and I love you also. And it's very hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, that is a really real thing that I don't think we talk about enough. And so I wanted to shout out my favorite complicated besties who are Johnny and Nick in Beneath the Rising by Premi Mohammed. This is like a fully Lovecraftian, like reboot, horror-y kind of sci-fi. And Nick and Johnny, um, Johnny is her nickname, Joanna is her first name. They're, you know, they're like, they're sort of on the, they're young adults, let's call it that way, like, you know, um, and they have had very different lives. Nick is, you know, from a mixed race family. Hey, he works at McDonald's, like he is just trying to make ends meet and help pay the mortgage or the rent or whatnot. Whereas Johnny is a literal genius. Like she is a jet setter. She has like a minder because she's still too young to like travel. She's still technically a minor. So traveling on her own is a thing. But like she like solved world hunger at 12. Like she just like that's the kind of genius she is. Um, and she and Nick uh, are reunited because... Nick, you know, she's back in town. And so they hang out and Nick is just like, I will not resent you. I will not resent you. I will not resent you. Like, it's really hard. But they have such a deep friendship that it keeps them together, even though their lives are so dramatically different. And then Johnny invents this new technology that like, whoops, also opens the veil to like the dark side and things start coming through. Uh, and they have to go on an epic quest to fix it. And it is 
so wonderful to see how they deal with all of these issues um, between them and yet are like still show up for each other when it counts. And I think sometimes relationships are not shown like the the hard parts are sort of like brushed aside or like dismissed and this one like nothing is dismissed like it's all real like these feelings and issues that they have with with each other are given the weight that they deserve and you know that like there are also some reasons why they are going to always show up for each other and Mm -hmm. I just like have all these feelings about it so (laughs) um I love this series I've only read the first one but I have uh the other ones on hold from the library and um if you have ever had like a real complicated friendship that you're like okay but I love you but like yes what what am I even doing being your friend um I think you will find this <laughs> extremely relatable so again that's uh Johnny and Nick from Beneath the Rising by Premi Muhammad oh my god yeah I have a few people who I right? like you know what <laughs> Like, if anything, if your house is on fire, like, call me. But also, right. like, you're really annoying. And <laughs> I don't understand your life choices. Right. So that's perfect. <laughs> I applaud that category. Yes. <laughs> Very true to true to life. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know if this... I hope this is, this is not a spoiler. Have you read all the Murderbot books? I have read all... I'm only behind by one. And I don't think this is a spoiler. I mean, as long as you don't go into too much detail okay, about great. it. I think you're okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And yeah. I... Oh, yeah. I haven't read the... I have, did I... Oh, my God. I don't even remember if I finished the last one, the <laughs> most recent. I I love the series so much that, like... Sometimes they blur together for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't even remember if because it, sometimes it kind of seems like the same stuff happens. I don't remember if I finished the most recent one, but I definitely started it because I remember a lot of what happened. Anyway, okay, mm. okay. So anyway, this category is annoying friends and low key co parents, <laughs> and that is Murderbot and Art slash Perry Helion from the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. We've all heard about. If you listen to this podcast regularly, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard about the Murderbot series. Like I said, I've read all of them, like, and I absorbed them um, <laughs> into my, um, you know, through osmosis, whatever. They're part <laughs> of my bloodstream. I really love this series. I love Murderbot. And I love art. Art is such a sassy little something. <laughs> art is... A mess. So, like, okay, Murderbot is, like, like a robot, basically. I forgot the beginning explanation. I haven't read the first book in a while. Yeah, Murderbot, I mean, it, you know, it's a security bot. It's not a human. It's it's a technology thing. Um, but, yes, Murderbot does have some organic parts and then a lot of, you know, tech parts. Tech parts. So. Yes. So, yeah. Murderbot gets... Murderbot becomes they they are a or it is a security unit meant to um, protect people. Uh, it gets rented out to people for a price, and they gain their own independence by hacking this thing called a a governing module, I believe. So anyway, uh, it goes on little adventures and stuff, and it immediately it eventually meets these people who are like very cinnamon rolly themselves in that they're very empathetic and caring and um they do not view it as just a thing they view it as its own you know sentient 
you know, being who mm-hmm. deserves rights and all that stuff. So Art is someone that Murderbot meets on one of its journeys. And Art is like this really big, like sentient ship. Um, and it's very intelligent, very smart. One of the few things that could rival Murderbot's intelligence, I think, or I think Art kind of exceeds Murderbot's intelligence in many cases, mm. according to Murderbot. But anyway, so... <laughs> um. The way uh, machines and things interact with each other in this world, they kind of like can ping each other and communicate with each other uh, a lot quicker than humans can. Um, And so when they first meet, it's so funny. Um, Art is very sarcastic and Murderbot is too, but Art is like real sassy with it. Like, (laughs) and so Murderbot is like WTF girl, like what is T? What is going on with you? And Art is like, I'm going to protect my humans. Don't come over here. And so Art is very suspicious of Murderbot, but also intrigued because they haven't really met mm-hmm. um, a sec unit like Murderbot before. So then I think they start to get, uh, develop a friendship because Murderbot um, kind of like starts to share what they like to do in their free time, which is watch um, a soap opera, obviously. Mm-hmm. Watch media. I think it's called Sanctuary Moon. Get into it. Okay. I'm like, I want to watch Sanctuary Moon. Same, same. (laughs) Can we have a spinoff? And so they just develop a friendship and it turns into a very, a very deep friendship. And um, it's a, it's a really good one. I don't know. I think they, (laughs) I'm like, they rival human friendships. So yes. Um, I, I love seeing them together. They, I love their little quests and how they work and everything like that. So they are awesome to look at. I love that. I love that pairing too. That's Mm -hmm. a great one. It's a great one. Oh, let's see. Okay. So I did want to pick one romantic pairing and, uh, much like Erica, you know, it's like goals. Mm, (laughs) Um, and so this is my unconditional acceptance romance category. Uh, and my pick are Yasira and productivity from the outside by Ada Hoffman, which is this like, again, like real dark, weird sort of horror sci-fi about a future in which AI have become gods. And there are like AI angels that do their bidding and humans are very limited in what technology they have access to. Um, and this is just sort of how it is. Uh, and Yasira is a really brilliant scientist. She's also autistic and she is working on this new technology that could like really help humanity. But the AI gods are like not happy about it. Um, and when she turns it on, it turns out that it too, I didn't realize this is like a, this is a little pattern between this and beneath the rising, but it also opens a hole in the universe that lets <laughs> in things that should not be coming through. Mm. Um, and Yasiri gets abducted and they use her girlfriend as like one of the holds they have over her. Um, And in the course of these books, because it's a series, you get to see how Yasira and Productivity, her name is Productivity. How like That's adorable. It's so good. Um, How they interact with each other and how uh, they deal with like the challenges that they're facing, which are both 
you know, interpersonal and like literally galactic level, <laughs> like supernatural stuff going down. So I love to see how they show up for each other. Um, I love to see how they find their way to each other through all of these, you know, difficult situations, lots of action, lots of shooting, lots of like being chased by monsters and like, oh my gosh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It gets real dark. Um, but they do, they just like unconditionally love each other. And it is so satisfying. <laughs> it feels so good mm-hmm. to watch. I'm just like, oh, I love you too so much. Like never never part i love you you're the best um <laughs> and again i think it is it's the contrast yeah. right cuz they are yeah. they're in this really messed up world um and they're not perfect you know like they are not they have flaws and are humans with you know issues and baggage and don't always understand each other but they show up for each other anyway and mm-hmm. i just ugh, i love it um so again that's the outside by ada hoffman Amazing. Mm. I need to read that too. Um, <laughs> my TBR weeps. <laughs> um, so my last pairing that I think is adorable and heart heartrending at times is uh category human animal companions. Yes. Because who doesn't love that? So love. it's Vasilisa and Solove. Solove is a horse, okay? <laughs> but a special kind of horse, honey. So I'm not gonna spoil it. You gotta read it. It's from the this is they are from the Winter Night trilogy by Catherine Arden, starting with the Bear and the Nightingale. I really love this series. The series is so good. And especially the first book is so good. Oh, my God. It's like... It's a fantasy. It's a historical fantasy. Um, takes place in the Russian wilderness. It's like where the colds are so cold that like... Uh, I forgot a quote. I meant to think of a... Uh, to make note of a quote mm. where it's like... It's like the edge of the world. And it's so cold that you like... I don't know. You can't. It's just cold. It's the cold. <laughs> the cold is its own demon. Like right, right. Um, I think the strongest demon in the land is called Frost, and he's the most feared. And so it's like Russia. There's some historical um, historical figures in this, and it's like the point where Russia went from having their own gods their own like native religion and turning to christianity so it's like right at that point Mm. where that started to change like in actual russian history and so like they had different gods uh different spirits and things for um i'm not an expert in either one but it kind of reminded me of shintoism like japanese shintoism where you have like different spirits for different things Mm. like they have this little like spirit for the household and you like worship them and you also give them tribute. So they like protect your homestead and they protect your house and you're, you know, do different things for you. And it's kind of like a mutually beneficial relationship, but they start to die as Christianity starts to become more popular. And um, those spirits and stuff are deemed demons and things like that. And so Vasilisa, her mother dies and her father goes to get a new wife. The new wife is, is very mm, she a little mm -hmm, you know what i mean she's very like religious uh she's very like um like maybe a little fanatical and so it's very much giving cinderella and the stepmother so 
Um, but Vasilisa has a tie to the old ways and the household spirits and the their original religion and stuff like that. So she clashes with the stepmother. Um, and as they move away from their old ways, certain things start to die, like crops fail, um, creatures from the forest start appearing, and like all this terrible stuff starts happening and Vasilisa's stepmother tries to uh she like cracks the whip on her in many ways she wants to make her into um this respectable quote quote unquote respectable stepdaughter who will get married and all those things but Vasilisa is not about that life honey she wants to be wild and free and we learn that that's kind of like the thing with other women in her life like her um her foremothers um so this is just like oh there was a time too in this i was not expecting it where it got really scary mm. and it was like kind of like oh you remember that you remember <laughs> that scene in the oh, what was it the ring this is we going back where she was like crawling doing acrobatics and no it was no creepy. no yes 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 it was that i was like oh I didn't know yeah. this was scary. It was like a night in the snow. She across the, mm-hmm. she running, mm-hmm. but like in that ring way where it's like looking like a spider kind of. And I was Ugh. like, oh, um, and when I say she, I'm not saying who it, what, who it is. It's not necessarily anyone that I mentioned, another character, mm-hmm. but this had a really creepy moment. And I'm like, ooh, I don't read a lot of horror, but like that got me. It's so, it's such a good story. And uh, oh, so also Vasilisa comes into contact with frost the most feared god in the region and so it's like she kind of tries to save the spirits of the region because of her heritage and solove the horse is a vital part of her journey and they are thick as thieves they work together and yeah it's been a while since i read it but i remember really liking their relationship so Gotta love a horse sidekick. Okay. Right? We're both horse girls. So we're you both horse. Okay. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> Let them know. Absolutely. I didn't know you were a horse girl. That's what's up. Yep. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did we have we had that conversation a while we ago? We did. Well, it was a while ago, though. It was a while ago. When were you a horse girl? Like, when did you have horses? Or when were you like. Well, so I never had one, okay. but I went to horse camp as a kid. Okay. And then, and actually, when I was a teenager, I briefly was supposed to be exchanging care of this horse for riding lessons from the woman who owned her. Mm. So, like, my parents would drive me like half an hour out of town to get to the stable. Um, and I would like about the stalls, you know, do the whole thing but she never gave me any writing lessons so that was a bummer um whack and that horse was a jerk so unlike the horse was a jerk but i do love a horse companion so did i tell you my horse used to talk her name was j-lo did i tell you about her (laughs) your horse named j-lo okay we have to get back on track but like side note we will have to talk about j-lo the horse another time (laughs) yes we will (laughs) 
All right. All right. So my last category is I struggled with what to call this because Mm. the relationship is like so specific. So Mm -hmm. it's not it may not really apply to others, but I'm going with former mentor and mentee turned bros. Um, So (laughs) that's that's where we're going. Uh, And it's Cass and Rio from Zero Sum Game by S.L. Huang. This is a series that also like, you know, it's action packed. Mm. Um, it is sort of almost procedural. There's a lot of who done it, but it's like supernatural in some ways. Uh, Cass Russell, who is our heroine, is so good at math that she can like calculate the exact amount of force she needs to take out a dude like four times her size and dodge bullets and like, you know, do all these crazy acrobatics because it's all physics. It's all just math. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's her brain. Her brain is like overcharged uh, in terms of math. And so she basically has superpowers um, and she uses them for hire. She'll take a job and as long as you're going to pay her, uh, she will go do that job. And she mostly uses her money to like get drunk in between jobs because her brain won't shut up, um, which is, you know, we've seen that before in uh, superhero uh, tropes. Mm. And so her life is, you know, it's not amazing, but she gets by. Um, And in the first book, she gets involved in this job that turns out to be much more complicated than she's expecting, of course. And there's like secret agencies and people with mind control powers. And you're like, what is going on? Um, And one of her... I hesitate to call him part of her gang because she, first of all, she doesn't really have a gang. She's very solo operator, but somebody from her past who still shows up in her future and like helps keep her, you know, alive functionally (laughs) is Rio, who is a full on psychopath, like no, no sense of right and wrong whatsoever. Okay. Okay. And they have a very specific relationship. And Rio has a code that is the only thing that keeps him from, you know, becoming the actual worst. Um, And Cass, like, really uh, is grateful to Rio for help that he's given her in the past. And, like, feels very, like, they do have this friendship now that they're, you know, they don't interact with each other every day, but they're always there for each other. They're always showing up for each other and um, trying to help each other out. And Rio looks out for her as much as he can. And uh, and the way that they interact, again, you're just like, oh, dang, like, it is, it's not simple, but it really is meaningful. And especially when, you know, you have, like, a literal psychopath who struggles to, like, create bonds and mm. is being used by a secret agency for mm. their own purposes like how does that person be a friend right like mm. how do you be a friend when that's who you are well Cass and Rio have figured it out wow. um and I yeah it's like it's it's really sort of amazing uh the way that relationship pops in and out of the story and Cass gets some like you know, friends who are not psychopaths who are awesome. That's nice. Um, I love that for Kat. Yeah, I know. It's good. She needs some grounding. You know, she needs some people who are like regular, normal, will actually like pay attention to what's going on and remind her to eat. And, and, but she also needs Rio and Rio needs her. And so um, that is a really important relationship in her life. And I love how it develops over the course of the series as well. Um, these series are like so action packed and like everybody's morally gray. Well, not everybody, but Cass is definitely morally gray. You know, like mm. nobody is a perfect human here. Um, and they make some choices 
choices mm. choices were made choices, choices were made, made. Yeah. uh but they just have to keep going and figure out the best they can and um yeah Love it. Love it. That sounds so Love good. that dynamic. I was not so expecting again, a psychopath. <laughs> I know, right? I had to mix it up. I had to yeah, I had to I mix it up that. a little bit I for the people. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Cass and Rio, zero sum game. SL Fang is so good at action. So good at action. Mm. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And those are our pairings. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Yay. Uh, SFFIA is sound edited by Caitlin Brame, who is great. So many thanks always to Caitlin for making us sound great each and every episode. If you want more recommendations, go to bookriot.com. Find our other podcasts, including Erica is on Hey YA. Maybe she'll talk about JLo the Horse on one of those episodes. You never know. Um, so you can find all of our podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen so yeah and oh right you can email us sff yeah at bookriot.com i've been doing uh recommendations for listeners on our backlist episodes so if you want one of those send an email i've been having a lot of fun with that actually um so this is just me while sharif is on leave like you know i'm i'm mixing it up over there and uh it's a good time Mm -hmm. um and you can also review us of course on apple Podcasts, spotify etc etc erica where can the people find you you can find me on Twitter. Don't judge me. <laughs> At Erica underscore EZE underscore. I'm trying to do a thing on Blue Sky. We're going to see how it goes. Mm, mm, yes. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Uh, I am back on Tumblr. Jen IRL. Oh, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. I love Tumblr. Yes. I love Tumblr. It's my favorite. Yes. I also got back on Litzy, which is like a very like eight years ago social media I app. I don't even remember. Just about books. Yes. L-I-T-S-Y. Check it out. Oh, I'm over there cool. posting about what I'm reading. Um, so yeah, that's, that's mostly where I am these days and, uh, and of course right here. So we will talk to you next time. Bye.